you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start with this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. Today we'll be actually speaking with our special guest, Dr. Sean O'Neill, on what his role is in terms of pharmacy technology and informatics. So thank you again so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, Sean. How are you doing today? Great, great. And Tony, thank you for having me. It's going to be an honor kind of talking to your community and, and I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It's actually an honor for us to have you. And, you know, just before we get started into talking about some of the other topics, can you kind of give us a little brief overview about yourself? Yeah, definitely. So, so I'm a pharmacist by background. I spent most of my career in the, in the inpatient healthcare space. I was a clinical pharmacist uh, for a number of years at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and then evolved into a, uh, a medication safety officer role, which was the springboard for what my current role is as the, the chief uh, clinical officer at Bainbridge Health. Awesome, awesome. So not only that you're the chief clinical officer, but you're also the co-founder of Bainbridge Health. So I guess my first question is, what can you kind of tell us about Bainbridge Health? Yeah, definitely. So Bainbridge Health is a, we are a, a spin-out company of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And w- what we do is we we really we help hospitals utilize data within the medication process to try to understand our technologies, whether it's the electronic health record, automated dispensing cabinets, infusion devices. Are those technologies meeting their intended um, intended use? Are, are they providing safe care to our patients? And in some cases, are they providing the most cost-effective care to our patients? And so what we do is, as a company, is we ingest data from all of these technologies. So infusion devices, automated dispensing cabinets, EHRs, as I mentioned. And the problem we're trying to solve is we know that hospitals have access to all this information, all this data. But we also know that this data is produced by different vendors in, in different forms. And in our discussions with hospitals across the country, we have we have realized that kind of telling a story, telling the truth of how a medication is administered in the hospital can be challenging with all this information. And how do we rein in that information? And so what we do is we extract this data, we store it in kind of a centralized warehouse, and we give data tools that allow clinicians to interact with this information. But I think more importantly, which is a big goal of ours, is that we realize that clinicians often don't have data skills and or time to manage all this information. So we provide a service on top. So we actually analyze the information for hospitals and produce specific recommendations back to the to our partner hospitals and organizations. So we're really trying to get clinicians and pharmacists and nurses out of having to do all of this data analysis and data analytics and really just trying to give them insights of how these technologies are are performing and how they can be improved. Wow, that's really cool. And I guess going into a little bit more specific about what you do, you said that you're the co-founder and chief clinical officer. And I kind of wanted to get an understanding of like how you got into that kind of non-traditional role. So going back to like after you studied pharmacy uh, and then you did your residency, can you talk about like your experiences in residency and how that kind of led you down that path of medication safety and then today? Yeah, definitely. And so I'll I'll start off by saying that if you would have told me I was in a position like this five years ago, I would have told you you were crazy. So it's kind of a lesson is there there can always be a plan, but there may be alterations in the plan. And so I, as you had alluded to, I out of pharmacy school, I did a traditional residency program. So I did a, a specialty residency in pediatrics, which ultimately led me to a role at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in the ICU as a clinical pharmacist. And to your question about how this evolved into med safety and then later to Bainbridge, 
part of our clinical pharmacy role was obviously providing the normal services that you would think, but also understanding how medication is delivered within that unit and, and what are the opportunities to, to ultimately make uh, medication delivery safer and more effective for our patients. And so my career started off in that one unit and really looking at and improving processes around how both clinically and operationally drugs can be delivered more efficiently. And then in kind of in the about 2010, 2011, our organization developed what was essentially became a medication safety officer role. And what that allowed me to do is now that we had done a lot of work and hopefully improved care in the local intensive care unit that I worked in, this med safety officer role that was created allowed me to take those experiences and those skills across the whole organization. So we began to starting to look at larger scale projects and, and improvement opportunities, working on things anywhere from implementation of new infusion devices to improving medication reconciliation. So really through those experiences kind of grew into really gravitating towards kind of understanding quality improvement and patient safety. And then as a corollary, which led to what eventually became Bainbridge Health, started to realize how technology could help drive the, both of those. So in drive quality, can drive patient safety. And where this story kind of takes a turn and leads to where we are, where I am now, is I was very lucky to be working in an organization that was focused on innovation. And what they would do is if clinicians had a problem, you could kind of submit your ideas to this innovation department. And if there was a generalizable solution, not only would they help vet out that solution, but if the solution was had a business case, they actually would spin companies out. And so how Bainbridge was created is... We had gone through a, a large upgrade of infusion devices. So we had transitioned over to a new infusion pump platform and we turned, we went through the whole process, the RFP of choosing pumps, training the entire staff, obviously the capital commitment of investing in these devices. And then we go live and our senior leader started asking us, well, how did we do? Are people using these devices? Are these devices meeting their intended use as far as improving care, or is there the opportunity these could be promoting inefficiencies and potential patient harm? And so we we realized to make a to sum up the story that we knew the information was there, we knew the data existed, but we really struggled to get to it. I had no data training, and most of our team did not, and so we really struggled to slug through either vendor um, created reports or raw data that was available to us. And that was really what the genesis was of Bainbridge Health. And so we, through our innovation department, we kind of solved this challenge internally and then spoke to a lot of health systems across the country and realized it was an equal problem in in their organizations. And about two and a half years ago, then spun Bainbridge out into a, a separate entity. So as your role today as chief clinical officer, I guess my my curiosity is, what does your role entail? And is there kind of like a a day-to-day now that you have at Bainbridge, or is it kind of still evolving, is kind of still changing each day, or depending on the client's needs? Yeah, so my it's a good question. So my my role mostly relates to understanding that how the data translates to the clinical practice. And so despite having experience involved in major technology upgrades such as Epic implementations, upgrades of various other devices. I actually, even to this day, still have not a huge level of data knowledge or data science knowledge. I've partnered with my co-founder, a guy named Sam Wilson, who's our chief technology officer. And my job is to bridge what Sam's skill set is with what the clinical practice is in the hospital. And to more concretely answer your question, Tony, what we do is we, as I kind of mentioned in the beginning, is we try to translate this data into clinical information. So an example of what I would do is we'll 
be doing an assessment of um, alerts in smart pumps. And the data or the data platform we've created and the models we've created will tell us that dexmedetomidine is the highest alerting medication. Well, that's my job to then understand, is that drug alerting because the clinical decision support parameters are um, not meeting clinical practice, meaning they needed to be widened or narrowed? Or is it because clinicians are operating outside of the recommendations of the drug? And so I bring kind of the clinical knowledge, which is uh, the knowledge I gained as a clinical pharmacist, and bridge the gap between the data model and, and the health system. So that's that's really cool. So your experience as a clinical pharmacist has helped you bridging that gap through the clinical side. And, um, you know, the, the other experience that you've had for an extensive amount of time is the medication safety officer. So I know, you know, in that role, you've seen a lot of different types of med errors. And um, I'm sure you've applied some of that uh, knowledge to what you're doing today. Is there a certain focus that you kind of like prioritized when, when Bainbridge started in terms of like the types of med errors? Yeah, I think the, the biggest, the, the kind of overarching theme is, as I, I had experienced in implementing these technologies in hospitals, was there's no doubt that these technologies can potentially eliminate harm and, and hopefully improve efficiency in, uh, of care. But we also know in the unintended consequences side of implementing technologies. And so one of the, the major focuses that we've had across all of the data that we collect from various stages of the medication process is on the clinical decision support, namely on alert fatigue. So I'm, I'm sure nobody who listens to your podcast needs an explanation for what alert fatigue is. And we've that's been a major focal point for us of how can we kind of decrease the amount of nuisance and noise alerts that are happening and decrease the likelihood that clinicians are overriding or abandoning and potentially causing or propagating medication errors through that process. And so those are the, the, the errors that have been kind of created by these technologies or it was initially my major focus, given my experience and, and what I'd seen in implementing EHRs or, or other devices, that there's certainly value to these technologies. I think nobody would argue that, but uh, there's always unintended consequences. And, and that's kind of been our focal point uh, in, in our early work with Bainbridge. That's a really good point. Yeah. And actually, in my own experience implementing EHR at my last place, yeah, we've, we've had that too, where I guess a portion of the people would think like, you know, this new technology is causing more errors. But yeah, in the long term, it is improving. But that initial part, our med safety officer was pretty busy in, in the beginning implementation stages. So, so I definitely agree on that. We used to prep our leadership, so the hospital's leadership, whenever any of these major technologies would go live, we would prep them well in advance that be prepared, be prepared for a spike in reported events, be prepared for even potential harm events. Because unfortunately, at least in our experience and at the time we were doing these things, it was, it was something that was most likely reality. And so we were, we were very cognizant to, to just prepare our leadership to understand that these things may happen. That's a really good strategy to have the leadership understand that because I think sometimes that's kind of missed. It's kind of like, oh, we're we're so enthralled about this new technology and what it can do that that implementation stage with that safety. I, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but it is really important that, you know, people are aware of that. So that that's a really good point, too. So I, I guess for Bainbridge, is there any future upcoming projects that, you know, that you're excited for or you are um, able to share? Yeah, yeah. So as I, I kind of alluded to, our initial dive into this into this world was related and focused on safety. So as we've kind of outlined, the major one I mentioned was alert fatigue. But what's been really eye-opening and it's been a great experience for me of when you kind of step outside the hospital environment and you build a team of both technology and software engineers as well as clinicians 
and you have time to solely focus on this data, it's been really fascinating to me what else we can determine, what else we can identify, how else we may be able to improve care or make care more efficient. And so one of the things we've started to focus on in addition to our safety offering is how can we help hospitals on the cost side? So we, we all know that the rising cost of medications in this hospital, but how can we use data and how can we more importantly join this data together? So we understand from the time and order uh, is placed or is initiated in an electronic health record all the way through to an infusion device. How do we connect the dots there to identify inefficiencies and potential wastes? One of the most interesting things we've done over the last year is we actually have started to use infusion data to identify how much drug is potentially being wasted. And so the idea here is that infusion device data could be the source of truth for how much of a 100 ml bag or a 250 ml bag has actually been infused to the patient. And we've built out models to be able to understand, for example, if you're buying or, or making dexmedetomidine in a 100 ml bag, can you make it or buy it in a 50 ml bag? And, and what are the potential cost implications? And we make those decisions based off of not what was documented in the EHR or what you then have to go dig through and find. We actually make it based on the actual amount of drug being administered to patients. And so this is, I would say this is probably one of the more innovative ways we've used this data. And I think that's what's really been exciting as part of this journey and process, that if you get the right people together that have the right skill and you mix the clinical knowledge with the data science knowledge, how you can untap more use of this data by simply connecting the dots and kind of getting away from this fragmented world of isolated EHR data, isolated cabinet data, or isolated uh, infusion device data. And so that's really been where we're, we're moving towards. And our, our long-term goal is to really be able to tell the entire medication story, the path of a med through ordering pharmacist verification preparation all the way through administration, and tell that in, a, in one easy place that we can identify where our opportunities are for improvement. That's really cool to kind of just see the whole life cycle of the medication from the start to finish. So you are in the non-traditional role today. And I guess, so for you, you actually started off being uh, in a residency and then going through a traditional path and then getting into today's role. So a lot of people out there who are, you know, probably listening to this podcast or interested in the health IT side of things, they are usually curious about how they would get into that role. So uh, if you were to give advice to them, what would you say? I think the the first major piece of advice is don't immediately say no to some opportunities. I think keeping an open mind and understanding where your career could go or where the skill set that, that we as pharmacists have built, I think there's a lot more opportunity out there than if when you're on that traditional path than we may realize. So that really has been a key for me. This was not an easy jump. I often say I was actually very happy with my role where we were. I, I believe we had an organization that was focused on safety and technology. So this opportunity wasn't like I went looking for it. It was just something that happened. Uh, and so I think keeping that open mind is is key and just always evaluating opportunities and understand what uh, what potentially could be out there. I think the second part, which would be the mo- has been the most valuable to me, is when you potentially start going out into these non-traditional paths, try to go out and find advisors or mentors that have walked similar paths. Try to find people that have, maybe there's a pharmacist that's opened up, that's done the same thing, that's spun out a company or has started a company from scratch. I've, I know that I've, I've talked um, 
there's a guy by the name of Scott McCready who uh, has a very similar story to mine, although he's way ahead of me, but a very similar career path and, and made the leap into his own company years ago. And so finding people that are mentors that can help you walk through this process. And then the third thing would would be if you really make a leap into a world that's foreign, finding the right partners to work with you. And so when jumping out of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, I have zero business training. I have an understanding of outputs of data, but had very little computer science training or data science training. And what's been paramount to the successes we've had and for my personal development is to bring on co-founders that do have those skills. So uh, I am one of the co-founders, but I have uh, two colleagues, uh, a guy by the name of Joe Kalp and then Sam Wilson, who I mentioned, who are both the business guy and, and the, the tech person. And so surrounding yourself with the right people that have skills that are complementary, I think has been really impactful and has allowed me to focus on my what my skills are, what I can, what we call as our superpower. What is my skill? What can I bring to Bainbridge? And so those are the three things that I, I would really kind of point to. Awesome. That that was really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, for people who want to find out more about Bainbridge, where can they find that information? Uh, yes. Yeah, so you can visit us at uh, BainbridgeHealth.com. There's contact information on there. Also, my email address is, is Sean O'Neill at BainbridgeHealth.com. And we're always, I'd be, I'd be really interested to talk to obviously people that are always interested in our products and, and working with us. But also, if there's, if there's any people out there thinking about making a leap or having an opportunity or have an opportunity in front of you you're unsure of, I'd love just to give my perspective. I'm just one person who's gone on this journey, but I, I'd love to share at least the thought processes that I've had in, in jumping out in this, into this world. Cause I think that the people that helped me in those decisions were invaluable. And I don't know if I would have made this leap without having those types of contacts. So happy to hear from anybody and also people that have done this themselves already. I'm always looking to learn as well. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll be putting that uh, information into our show notes for anyone who's interested in reaching out or finding out more about uh, the company. But to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out your busy day to be on the show. Tony, I appreciate it as well. And thank you for inviting me. Of course. Right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Select group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy in me and remember technology is a tool patient care is the goal